Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. I literally just prayed. I said, God, if you're real, if you want this trash of a life, I surrender. I knew in that moment that I had a burden lifted from me. And it was, it was, there was a freedom that was there in that moment that I'd never experienced before in life. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor, we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well, this could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. This podcast is part of the Spark Media Network and it can now be found on the Edify app. And we are so happy to uh, be with you today. You're Wendy Pett. And I I'm am. That Todd is correct. Isbrenner. Yes, thank you. I am Wendy Pett. You're Todd Isbrenner. <laughs> hey, if you, uh, do you remember that song, Trust and Obey, um, for There's No Other Way? No, is an old timey no, song. It's, it's kind of an old timey <laughs> song, but I think it had a contemporary flair to okay. it. I don't you know. It does go back. Little... No, I don't really. Oh, but it just—it's like trust and obey, for there's no other way. Okay, maybe don't say do, it. Do, 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 do. And I can't remember <laughs> the rest of the words. I but I thought of that song as I thought about our guest today, uh-huh. because um, yeah, I think it's easy for a lot of believers to say I trust in the Lord. Well, sometimes it I, is, and sometimes y- y- it's not. Well, but it's, yeah, <laughs> that's, I think because it has to be accompanied with obedience. Obedience, and right. even that word today. Have you found that if you say anything related to obey or obedience? Oh, it almost makes people's skin crawl like. <laughs> Like, what? I have to obey? Oh, it just feels like such a, a bad word, yeah. and it, it's not. But the reality is when we trust God and yes. obey, uh, then he can set free some pretty miraculous things. That's what Absolutely. we're going to hear about today with our special guest. Yes, we are so excited to have Jerry Bloom on with us today here at Your Biggest Breakthrough. From being a multimillionaire in his 20s to incarceration... That's right. To being born again and building businesses for God's glory. Jerry is a servant of God and an entrepreneur. Born and raised in southeastern Wisconsin, and we won't hold that against him because oh, we're in Minnesota. No, it's all right. It's He's okay. a cheesehead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jerry has been married 27 years and has five grown children. He's built several successful businesses in the last 25 years, and he loves to mentor up and coming business people. Mm. You know, he loves to talk about fulfillment in God yes. and entrepreneurship and uh, building kingdom businesses, and he's a pro at that. But in all of that, in throughout his life as he's been walking with the Lord now, he's learned that faith plus obedience really can bring about uh, the miraculous in life. <sighs> so Jerry, come on in, man. We can't wait to talk with you. So great to have you with us. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough. Awesome. Good morning. It's good to be with you guys today. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. You you have just accomplished so much and you have just such a heart after uh, the Lord and a heart after just helping people um, rise up to who they are uh, and who God has called them to be. And, and before we even dive into your story, I just have to uh, put a little plug in there because you amaze me, Jerry. I mean, you are so disciplined and, and so filled with faith and, and, and obedience, but you are so disciplined. You are a runner. And we found this out because we've heard your story and we've gotten to know you a little bit, but you aren't just like, you know, you don't just go out and do a little 5k or, or something that like that. Not that there's anything no, wrong, nothing with, wrong with that. And doing little 5ks. But no, Jerry likes to go a hundred yeah. miles. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like within a, the same time period, not right. like, like, like 10 miles today and 10 miles. I'm like a hundred miles straight. So and not only that, your, your latest feat of a hundred miles was round and round on right? a track, on a right? Track. On a track in, in Davenport, Iowa, and every every bit of weather, it rained, it blew ver- it blew horizontal, it got hot in the midday where it was actually, you kind of had to slow down because you didn't want to get depleted. Um, yeah, it took a lot of people out in that race, which is, you know, it's very it's a very prophetic implication of you were running a good race, right? We know that scripture. Um, and you just see people dropping, 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 dropping. How many, so how long did that take? How long yeah. did it take to go hundred miles? It was actually a 24 hour race. Mm. I ended up, um, just running, um, a hundred miles, a little over a hundred, it was like 101.3 or something. And I, I guess for me, one of the challenges I find in running races is lack of challenge. What I mean by that is if I don't have any competition, mm. um, I get pretty bored and uh and dis and unmotivated so in this particular race uh kind of coming into after like 100k which is 60 something miles a lot of people dropped and i looked and i was like 17 or 18 miles ahead of the next person oh my word it it just becomes a little bit like okay it's it's challenging for me to stay motivated mentally and keep going especially when you're talking about running in the dark and everything else so yeah and from that point i like becoming the biggest cheerleader on the track um, championing other people who are still vertical and doing it. And I, I, that's what I enjoy the most. I, I was just, I just wrote a, 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 a comment on a social media post yesterday. And I was like, the ultra marathon sport is one where the elites aren't the champions. It's that person who's overcome cancer, mm-hmm. um, the person who's just putting everything out there that they have just to get across the finish line. And for me, I'm like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Winning races. I win races, but I'm like, I'm not as impressed with that as there is with that guy who I I was just at a race helping sweep the field. And this guy DNF'd the last nine out of 10 races, 60 something year old guy, cancer survivor. And he just first finished his hundred. I almost burst into tears. His That level of perseverance, right? It takes that to a whole nother conversation. It redefines you. That's finding a new version of you. That's yeah. what ultra marathoning will do. If you question every decision in life. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, and for some, it is just that 5K run, but for some, it's the ultra marathon. So, you know, you said something just right off the bat that without competition, you find it eh, a little boring and kind of not as motivating to keep going or to, to finish maybe even stronger than you even could. Um, I think that's so interesting because I think as People, humans, we are wired to work better when we have someone to work uh, 
with and against at the same time, right? Yes, exactly. And so even as an entrepreneur, you understand that. Yeah, definitely goals based. I mean, as you know, in building businesses, it's like, I think God's given me the ability to see things differently. Um, Pioneering is, I'm not a guy you'd ever find investing, you know, $400,000 and borrowing another million to open McDonald's. It's just, that would probably drive me nuts. Whereas pioneering a new franchise of some sort is sort of my lane. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, you know, these aren't right or wrongs. These aren't fundamentals. It's just knowing what you're gifted and called to do, Mm. and then just going and doing it without apology um, and not waiting for someone else to give you permission or approval. Mm. You know, that doesn't always come natural for everybody. And I'm guessing it didn't come natural for you either. Uh, You had a starting point. So let's go back to the beginning because you are a man of faith and, and you have done great things in the business world, the marketplace as a man of faith, but let's go back to how that all occurred in your life. When did that start? When did you really start pursuing God and, uh, and putting your faith and obedience into action? I guess my story would start was I, I never pursued God. (laughs) <laughs> he faithfully rescued me. Uh, you know, before I got born again when I was 30, I'm 53 years old. And um, I, I've been successful um, in things in the world. Um, I was a pioneer again in the wireless business. I just did things a lot differently, a bit of an unorthodox play on your local wireless store. And for me, it was all about overcoming my past. You know, going going to prison as a 19 year old and coming out with sort of this this stigma or you know the big a day a adulterer on you thought there was a season I thought people looked at me and and could see like that guy's a loser that guy went to prison so mm. sort of an unhealthy overachiever uh, uh, kicked up and uh, and and that ultimately manifested itself in um, in me discovering that I'm an entrepreneur, uh, that I, I have a gifting to do that. So the problem was, is it wasn't grounded in anything, um, other than worldly worldliness. So for me making more money, um, the only challenge again was I got to make more next week or next month or next. Never satisfied. No, it is. It's like, it's like a drug. You're, you're completely correct. Uh, you know, and, and you, you've heard me say this probably on King's council, you know, the three things don't lie. Uh, the pillow, the, the mirror, and the word of God. I didn't know the word of God then, um, but I knew that I knew what the pillow was telling me. Not very much peace. And you look in the mirror, nobody lies to the mirror because we see we're the ones who see who we are. And um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, you know, twenty eight years old, financially successful. Uh, you know, my my wife asked for a divorce. I had three kids, uh, living the dream from the outside. I mean, I had everything. Uh, financially, but um, you know the funny thing was we uh, we moved out of the ghetto. You know, it's kind of like the Jeffersons. We're moving on up. Bought a beautiful <laughs> log home in the country, and that wasn't enough. I needed a bigger house. And my wife, this is an interesting. I don't know if you guys heard this one, but my wife called. You know, remember when Oprah was done on her show? She actually called the Oprah Winfrey show, and uh, it was one of those things where they asked you at the end if you are someone you know are ex. Well, she called. The producers called back. They actually came to our house and filmed for a whole day Wow! and then called us down, brought, picked us up in limos and brought us to Harpo Studios. We were the main guests on Oprah's show for the seven biggest mistakes parents make. And we were the number one mistake, which was putting your kids before your marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so literally four months later, we were separated, getting a divorce. And that was, that was where God 
you know, where God met my wife and myself, we both surrendered our life to God. We were separated for a year. I walked away from everything, business, everything. I just was like, nope, I'm done. And, uh, and God rebuilt greater, um, anything that I could, like the word says, ask or imagine. So it's been amazing. That's beautiful, Jerry. And I have to like, already kind of like backpedal here because I know our listeners are like, okay, why was Jerry incarcerated? Like, I mean, I know if I were listening to this, like, okay, scratching my head, tell me more. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I grew up in, uh, you know, an average middle-class family. My parents, my, my dad was in Vietnam, came back, uh, married my mom. They got, I was born, they were divorced a year and a half later, kind of went through the stepdad thing, kind of a, um, dysfunctional household, uh, a lot of addiction, alcoholism and whatnot, like physically abused as a child. So it made me pretty, pretty angry. Mm -hmm. And that basically just manifested itself in my later teen years. I ended up dropping out of high school and just getting involved in drugs and alcohol, small things with the law, little things uh, that got great into bigger things. And then eventually, you know, uh, I was in, I was in my house one night, intoxicated, shooting a gun out the window. If of all things that make sense, that was it. That's enough to send you to prison in Wisconsin. So don't do that if you visit. Yeah. And that, um, you know, the tough thing, let me tell you, um, that was, I was 19 years old. Here's, here's, here's the, the, you know, the epiphany prison wasn't hard enough. Um, I got out and went back literally within a period of under two months with more charges and more violent crime. And, uh, it was, it was, a it was a very defining season in the natural. And I just remember a judge sentencing me on, um, on a case and saying, you know, Mr. Bloom, uh, whenever someone has a problem with you, they end up getting hurt. And, uh, and I can't allow that in my city. He said, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. So he, uh, he gave me lots of probation and a, and a fairly large sentence hanging over my head. And I actually made it through that. Um, and that kind of began my life of being uh, responsible in the natural, if that makes sense, instead of just being an idiot who was drinking and fighting all the time. Yeah, that's that's the kind of the backstory. So from that point, Jerry, you made a decision. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be in trouble. And the only way to avoid that is take responsibility for my life and make good decisions. So then what, what started to interest you in the, the whole idea of entrepreneurship? I never wanted to have children <laughs> because of my experience. Yeah. I'm even a failure at I that. Right. Five. <laughs> five. Um, yeah, I, um, that was kind of it. Uh, my wife and I, for right when I got off of probation, we moved to Colorado, did a weird thing for almost a year, moved back. Um, she got pregnant, had our first daughter, and then she was pregnant again with my son. And that's kind of where it kicked in of the responsibility thing is, is I do not want to be the failure that I set out not to be. Mm -hmm. In other words, just be deadbeat dad, not. So I kicked into this natural provider mentality and worked my butt off doing physical construction, which the, the people I worked for, I looked at it and I was like, well, you're, you've actually got a really good gig here. You're just kind of a, forgive the term, you're just kind of a screw up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and so I started kind of doing contracting small jobs on my own, just kind of going like, well, I know how to do the work. Right. And I just, it just, I sort of became, fell into my realm of being able to facilitate those things and see it's almost like apostolic in a way of like seeing how things should be structured. You know, I can, I've learned a lot over the past 25 years, but I just, I think 
I have an aptitude to naturally see how functional structures happen in business. It's a gift. And that's where it started. Yeah. And I think even when we first started this podcast and you said that you um, feel kind of eh, unless you've got competition, what I've seen already just by you unpacking your story is that you have, you became your own competition. That's right. Always goal setting. Um, I'm a big goal setter. Um, I'm always looking for a win. Even in the worst situation, I'll tell you, waking up, you know, this morning or yesterday, I mean, even when everything hits, the, you still got to look for the win and go, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to throw up my hands and have a big pity party. I, I have to find the best decision to make right now, given all circumstances. And that's my win right now. Small as it might be, maybe it's not punching the wall or kicking the dog or it's go for a walk around the block or whatever yeah. that is. So, yeah, I remember when we were really, really poor, I just remember having this, um, I had this little baggie, like a sandwich bag or a gallon Ziploc and I, and we were starting to have kids. We didn't have any money. So I would just put like $20 at a time in this bag. And I'm like, we're going to save up and get a minivan. And we saved up and got a minivan, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. and so, <laughs> yeah. And you know, but, but you know, it's the same, that principle doesn't change wherever you're at. You need goals, you need tenacity and focus. And, and, you know, like I say, again, you either produce results or excuses. Those are the two things. So what about accountability? Because, uh, you know, accountability is a big piece of the puzzle for most people. Um, And is that how you're wired? Did you need a lot of accountability to, to grow or were you just, was it just like a flip of the script and you just changed? Yeah, I I don't find I have a lot of accountability. I haven't historically. I find that most people don't understand me, so I have a very close I have a very close group of people I I talk to about these things that I feel like, you know, that I'd be accountable to, that I actually submit business decisions to. They might not even know like what I'm talking about in the business realm, but they love me and they hear from God for me. That's and awesome. and I and I love that. As opposed to like, if I submit something to another entrepreneur, they're like, wow, great idea. Can I get involved? You know? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So yeah, historically, not tons of accountability. Um, Again, it's probably because people just can't, when I see something, they're just like, why would you do that? You know, even when I started the wireless business, it's why would you quit your job with insurance, spend all your money to go start a business? Well, why wouldn't you? I see the opportunity. A lot of people don't understand visionaries like yourself because you see things and operate at a different plane. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Jerry, um, because you are wired in such a way where you provide the accountability for yourself. A lot of people don't know how to do that. And oftentimes I think it's because they don't have a strong enough vision or goal to get after. When did that start to happen for you? Because you're, uh, you know, you're out of jail, you're married now, you've got a couple of kids, you're just starting to put things together. Did you have a larger vision for where you thought things needed to go and how you wanted to get there? Yeah. You know what? I had no vision. Um, Actually, when I got born again, I walked away from everything business and my naivety. And I just thought I was going to go serve God. I was going to go to Moody Bible or something and be a missionary, do something spiritual. And I think that that just wasn't God's call on my life. And, and, you know, after taking a year to heal my family and coming back together, um, this business opportunity came up to, to buy this little old lady Christian bookstore. The lady passed away. She served the Lord for 40 years in that store. And I was averse to it. I was like, look, I can't do business right. Everything to do with business is evil. Again, it's naivety. And, um, and, you know, eventually God made it clear to me that 
you know, I've made you the way that you are. It's like, it's like the analogy of using a tool, right? If you use a pipe wrench to, you know, hang up a picture or something, you know, you're pounding holes in the wall, as opposed to if you use a little finishing hammer, well, that's what that's for. And, and I was using the tool of marketplace incorrectly. Um, and that once we got it and know that like, okay, what you do in the marketplace is, is, is neutral. You can choose to serve God in it and, and flow in favor, or you can choose to make money and then just reap what you kind of reap what your, you know, your own gifting. And so once we knew that God had called us into this business, it was then experiencing the favor of God to absolutely flourish and it, it's been, it's been, I use the term ridiculous. I, I don't <laughs> like good. the term incredible. I, I hear Christians all the time say, wow, that's incredible. I'm like, please don't say that. It's not incredible because incredible means it can't be believed. Uh, and and I think, I think unbelief is probably the greatest sin we experience on a daily basis. Jerry, prior to you and your wife coming to faith and you really were just driven for the sake of attainment, right? Uh, you wanted to accumulate, and that kept you driven, kept you going, but really wasn't the vision that God had for you until you came to Christ. And I think that's the big that's the big missing link for so many people. It's like, I can't seem to get to where I would know I maybe want to go, or maybe I don't even know where to go. It's because Jesus is missing from within their lives. So I want you to talk a little bit about what happened, because here, you know, you've, you've accumulated all these things. From the world standpoint, you would be considered a success. You've got these kids. You've got this wonderful wife. You've got these great places to live in and all the other stuff that goes with it. Until he didn't. Until, yeah, until right? he didn't. And now you're, now you're in a sense, broken because of the separation. You're starting to reevaluate yourself. Um, how, how did you know that it was Jesus that was missing in your life? It was, it was interesting. Again, like I said, I wasn't looking for God. And, and during my wife and my one year separation, because God is faithful, he just put people in my life, just mm. sharing whether it was just kindness or whatever. And, you know, my, my in-laws, my wife's parents would, you know, they're, they're Christians. So they would, I remember they gave me this Bible track one time and it like haunted me. It was like, <laughs> it was like and, and I would read it though, but it was like one of those things, you know, when the spirit's moving, you know, God has a sovereign plan. And, uh, and for me, it basically came down to sitting in, in our huge house in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is, you know, a resort town. We had this big, huge house out there. My wife was at our house in Florida and we were separated. I literally just prayed. I said, God, if you're real, if you want this trash of a life, I surrender. I knew in that moment that I had a burden lifted from me. And it was, it was, there was a freedom that was there in that moment that I'd never experienced before in life. Um, again, not being religious, nobody's, nobody's sharing the four spiritual laws with me. Um, I just began to cultivate a relationship with God after that, you know, attending church meetings and whatnot. So I thought, oh, I should probably get a Bible and read it. You know, the, you know what I did two weeks after I gave my life to the Lord? This is how naive I was. I walked out of my wireless store across the street was a travel agent. I was reading the Bible. And, and, and so I walk across the street and I'm like, Israel, Israel, Israel. I go across the street. And I'm like, hey, how much is it to go to Israel? I need to go to Israel. <laughs> two weeks after I gave my life to the Lord. No wow. plan. Oh, no itinerary. I backpacked around Israel for a week. Did oh, you? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. That's what knuckleheads do when they get saved. <laughs> hey, it's okay. I love it. I love you, it. You, but were, it's, you were free in a whole bunch of ways. Yeah, but it's just that power of, of I mean, when you said surrender, I, my eyes got watery because I remember that moment for myself and you yeah. do too. We all, yeah. the, the, but the power of the surrender, mm -hmm. because 
in your life, you've been in control or, or what you thought you were in control, right? All that time. And really it became the hindrance. So, um, so beautiful. I love how the Holy Spirit moves in and brings the right people in our path when we're ready and willing to hear his truth and, and have a soft heart uh, to receive it. And so thank God for those people in your life being willing to, to share. It's the epitome of first Peter three fifteen, which is one of my favorite verses ever, you know, always be prepared to give an answer. Um, to those who ask, you know, for the hope that we have, but to do it with gentleness and kindness. And I mm. think that um, I just feel like it, it, it's like, it's, it's like a, a word aptly spoken. It doesn't have to be for spiritual laws or whatever you were taught in, in church. I'm like, sometimes it's just loving people. Sometimes it's telling people like, Hey, you talk to God. I, I'm not, I'm not his mediator. Jesus says you talk to him and it's on him to reveal himself to you. And I've, 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 I've heard I've shared that with people and they've called me up in terror, you know, mm. everything you said came true. And I believe, and I'm like, I didn't even say anything to you, but I know what you're going through. Yes. <laughs> you got you revelation man. Words to it, right? <laughs> you uh, got I, revelation. That's what yeah. we need. Right. So it's, yes. it's just the yeah. veil is lifted. Yeah. It, it's a veil. Yes. And there's, there's two sides of that coin. And the one side for those of us who believe and have experienced Christ, we do need to be very aware that our behavior is a reflection of what we believe and that, uh, what others will think about God will often be be because of watching you. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. It's, it's an important word for us every single day to live it out, walk it out. Uh, Jerry, for you, it's faith plus obedience that brings uh, the miraculous to life. So I think that's for everybody. Yeah, but, yeah but right. Definitely no, for-, <laughs> for everybody, exactly. But but that reality started to manifest uh, throughout your life. And so let's start. Let's start with your marriage. What happened there? You've got the faith now. I'm certain there were things you needed to, to, to do differently to and make maybe your wife too. Right? You could restore that marriage. Yeah. So we, we, we both got born again, um, like in that season of our separation. Um, cool. and my wife surrendered her life sooner, um, actually right before we separated. And I was a few months, several months later, we were going through the divorce, playing the whole thing became really not great friends because that's such an ugly process. And, uh, I feel like it was like that time of, um, God working out sort of like the ringing out. If you ever ring out, uh, you know, like a, a, a rag or something, you ring it out and you kind of get all the water out, but then there's that last ring where you squeeze out those last few drops. Yes. I feel like during, during our separation was that last few drops and, um, and, and God just saying, you know, are you ready? Um, he spoke to us in our hearts, both of us independently. We never even had a conversation to reconcile yes, our marriage the Holy Spirit. out of obedience. This wasn't, this was not a love story. There's no Hallmark channel involved here. <laughs> we did not like each other in any way, but God spoke to us independently saying, reconcile your marriage. And again, the, the response was obedience. You know, I, I, I told God, whatever it, I'll do whatever it takes. And, uh, and there's a blessing in that man it's like we're only married for like five years then you know but there's such a blessing in obedience but obedience just doesn't make sense so much of the time yeah. um because because faith doesn't make sense faith is irrational and and faith requires thinking beyond the natural and that's why we miss it so much is because we miss faith because we're like that's not that that couldn't be real or true yeah. But when you actually do that, you get the story of obedience and, and, and just working it, walking it out. 
and um, and then rebuilding something new, right? So it wasn't like our marriage was built on great things. Through walking it out with God and knowing what God said, we built well after. Mm. So we had our reno, yeah, <laughs> our first yeah, reno at five years. <laughs> um, yeah, and you just you learn how to do covenant better. Yeah. Um, there's no perfect marriage. If someone tells you that perfect marriage, they're kind of lying to you because it's a sanctification process. Um, and because I'm not perfect and I'm in the marriage, it will never be perfect. Um, right. even if your spouse is perfect. So it's been, um, it's just been really amazing to see the healing. And then of course, obviously when God puts us through something, um, part of that, or a big part of that is, is for the testimony of overcoming, you know, had it not been for the Lord, we wouldn't be here right now. Mm, yeah. And that's why when you talk about it, you, you still get teary eyed and you're emotional and, and y'all have been together 27 yeah. years. Like that never goes away. And that's, that's the power of the Holy spirit too. Yeah. Like just watching you makes me want to have tears in my eyes because I know how deep and rich and, and beautiful this journey has been. And, and I think about how, not just for you, but for your wife or for your uh, in-laws and for your children. Yeah. I mean, like that gets me like just teary eyed because that's the legacy that right there, my friend. And um, anyway, it's, it's powerful. Jerry, I want to, I want to find out because the, I just have a feeling there could be some who are listening and, and maybe they're in a really rough place in their marriage. Mm-hmm. And, they're hearing you and they're resonating with this and they've surrendered and they are trusting God and they feel like they're doing their part in the obedience part where they're wanting to reconcile, uh, but their spouse isn't on that same page. You Can say? you give them some, some insight or some encouragement? Yeah. I mean, all you can do is you, um, you can't change anybody else. And, you know, my counsel to people over the years has just been, you remain faithful. Um, you continue to pray, you remain obedient. And it's, it's, it's not on you to change the other person. You know, the, the, the reality is, is we're all responsible for, for our own decisions and we're not responsible for anyone else's. And we've seen people, you know, get, um, get divorced um, and, and be reconciled, you know, and we've seen, you know, that just be a part of someone's testimony. We don't have the benefit of seeing the long tail of it, but we do have the benefit of knowing God wants us to walk in obedience Um, I think sometimes when we're broken and things are broken, people kind of will just go off the deep end. And that's the opposite of what we need to do. Instead of running away from God, we actually, we need to be like that woman with, with the blood and just go, I've, I'm at a loss. I've tried everything. My life is over and lunge at his coat. My only, you know, it's the only chance you have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. So be humble, humble yourself and lunge, you know? Yeah, that's mm. beautiful. Well, when you were talking earlier about uh, the the little old ladies um, bookstore that you acquired and you're starting this business and you use the word, it's just been ridiculous. It's been a ridiculous uh, ride. And so let's talk about what ridiculous means uh, for you and how that's um, really shown up and manifested, not just financially, but uh, in other um, areas of your entrepreneurship. And, uh, and then we want to talk a little bit about Christians in the marketplace and, and how can they um, go about having an impact with their faith? Yeah. So we, we purchased this bookstore in um, February of 2002. And um, I knew not, knew very little about being a Christian. Um, and hey, you went to Israel. You, know, <laughs> you back yeah, well, there you go. 
I knew I knew that it was scary, and the guys with machine guns on the buses were good guys. <laughs> I figured that one out. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just pretty amazing. Just God again partnering with God and seeing the need in the marketplace. Um, brick and mortar retail was being challenged at that point. Indie, independent stores because of Walmart and big boxes starting to carry Bibles and Christian books and Joyce Meyer and all the stuff that's popular. And it was we were just suffering. So again, being a kind of a seer for things, and you know, I I discovered that we were actually. Um, I called up my distributor and I said, "Why is Walmart selling Bibles for what I pay for them?" And they said, oh, we can fix that problem, Jerry. Just give me a purchase order for $50,000. we will give you their pricing. I was like, okay, <laughs> uh-huh. that doesn't merit an answer. Um, and so what happened was, is we ended up kind of doing a 180. And instead of trying to compete with that, what I ended up doing is I ended up partnering with distributors and publishers and all of the big box stores uh, for any merchandise that doesn't sell, it gets returned. Mm-hmm. as non-new so it's stickered product i made a massive multi-million dollar business buying all of that product um and ultimately building a massive online an e-commerce business on ebay and amazon marketplace when it was first launching and so mm-hmm. we blew that up like crazy um over a period of probably five years uh, and then we just kept invest reinvesting every dollar, and um, and then we leveraged. It. Sorry, Jerry, that that story I just got to stop for a moment because that that can be so inspiring for some who are thinking, well, we're this business that we're I'm just involved small potatoes. in yeah. has got death written all over it. You know, and sometimes it is important to put a bullet in and just leave it there. But there are times like what you saw, you, you didn't see what a lot of other people were seeing, and that was, well, this is the end of Christian bookstores, and therefore, why am I even involved? Something inside of you, and I'm going to believe it was the Holy Spirit that started to lead your thinking, gave you some creative solutions to ch- not just to not give up, but to explode it from there. So talk a little bit to that entrepreneur who feels like, ah, I just don't know. This thing never seems like it's ever going to work, and everything around me is crumbling. And like, like what, what can they do to change that perspective and begin to make things happen? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to have originality. I think um, I, I talk to people all the time and they're like, you know, hey, I, I, I watched a video about doing this, that or the other thing. I'm like, chances are if someone told you about it, you're not going to make money at it. You know, there's just a lot of things like, oh, hey, do your dropship business and this and that. I'm like, mm, there's people infinitely smarter with infinitely more money than you that are already doing that. You're not going <laughs> to. I don't mean to be discouraging, but you're not going to make millions, millions of dollars doing your dropship business. Um, that I think look, creativity. Yeah. And, and be willing to grind. I, I'm a, I'm a hustler. And, and I, you know, I would operate that Christian bookstore from 10 AM till 6, 7 PM. And then I would go home and process. We didn't have stamps.com. So we had the Sharpie Jerry with the Sharpie literally hand addressing envelopes. Wow. Bringing them all that. to the post. They had, they had to weigh at weigh and put postage on every envelope. That's how long ago this was is like Fred Flintstone days. Um, <laughs> And so I would look at it and say, if you can find a way to get in uh, and and just find a, a, a different, even if it's a couple degrees different on a business, find a way to do something original um, or find how do you do it? I, I mean, I don't care what you do or you're a loan officer or whatever you do. 
How do you, why should I work with you? This one, two questions I ask people all the time in business. And if you can't answer these or you're offended, go get a job. Two questions are, why would anyone want to do business with you? You need to answer that question. Second question is, what makes you think you will succeed where others have failed? Very simple question. Those are powerful. Those are powerful. You you love mentoring other uh, entrepreneurs, and we've seen that in action. Uh, and what do you think, with all of your experience and all of the variety of entrepreneurs you work with, what do you see as sort of that that common that common number one reason why they don't seem to have that breakthrough that they could have if they just Fill in the blank. X, Y, Z, yeah. It goes back to faith and obedience. Mm -hmm. Um, If God's called you to something, he wants to do something miraculous in it. He's not looking for you to just show up and feed people. He wants to feed 5,000. I believe that in every situation. I do. I believe he wants to bring miraculous provision. So the question is, is what is God saying? And how big is your faith to believe for it? You know, and and that's really it. And I mean, in a tangible way, God will say ridiculous things. And um, and you either got to step up and say, I'm believing for this. And you know what? Not only is it a secret, I'm telling other people, this is what God said. And that's what I stand with. That's awesome. So it's usually a faith problem. Yeah. Faith and obedience, because just in this situation, I I think I shared this story. You guys heard this one with the, you know, uh, we have some friends who are who have mentored us a lot in marriage. Um, as we've come into the, the church that we're in, he went to be with the Lord. She's a widow. They're selling their home. And, um, and it just kind of came up to us that this was available. And uh, it was in, I don't need another house. If anything, I need to sell some. Um, but it, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to give you that house. Hmm. I'm like, okay, that's nice. Um, what does that mean? You know, so we got began to walk in faith for the house, but not complete faith. So the first thing I did was go and apply for a mortgage, got a killer 15 year fixed rate, like 2.11. It was great. Got frustrated that situation and and with the mortgage company. And I ended up getting into it with them. And then God spoke to me again. He said, no, I'm giving you this house. You don't go get a mortgage. It's not, I'm telling you to buy this house. I'm literally giving giving you this house. Okay. And, and, and from the time he said that in December, and here's, here's the, here's the, the audacity of it felt God speak to me and say, not only will you write a check for this house, you will have hundreds of thousands of dollars left over of provision from now till then that you will have those resources and you will buy this house. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, it takes a lot of, that's either caffeine or faith or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, no, exactly. I mean, some people, some people right now are saying, well, what in the world was, you know, what, what was going through his head that he could think that, like that? Did you tell anybody? That, it, and it doesn't matter. Just he, he's a loving father. And, and the reality is, let me just tell you this. I'll just do, give you the cliff notes of it. From the time God spoke that to us in December um, till about a month ago, um, he has brought all of the increase to us without liquidating any assets and we have enough to close on the house with several hundred thousand dollars extra in increase. Wow. Okay. See, that's what faith and obedience brings. It brings God's, it opens the door for God's abundant blessings mm. that he's already give, given to us, but we are kind of the clog in the wheel, right? It's, um, but, and you yeah. notice too, though, um, where Jerry is giving the credit. Of course. It's true. You've been grinding in your business, but you start with God, you keep God in the center and you end with God. And I think that's, 
that's oftentimes the missing link because once we start to experience a little quote success, you know, unfortunately we start to believe yeah. that I've had Look what a, I did. I've had yeah. mostly to do with it. And we forget no it it is God who had everything to do with it. And you were fortunate enough to be able to sort of tag along for the ride, just do your part, but Let's don't do take God it. out of the mix. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's like the way that God brings provision is just it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, it it's from that time in every instance that that uh supply was being brought, I was like, oh, 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 you know. And I'm like, wow, that is really interesting, you know. And again, we prospered in our business, but I did, I had somebody call me on something out of the blue. Um, and then we got this, you know, with the whole COVID thing, you know, we had a windfall of cash because of that that we never saw coming. And it was just like mm, it's there. And and even since then, you want to hear a great one. Uh, we went out to Bethel for a um a leadership retreat. So we were asking God because I've kind of built this, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coasting a little bit in business building right now, which is not comfortable for me. And uh, so we go out there, we're like, God, what should we be putting our hands to? I'm ready to grind, you know? And all the prophetic words were rest, rest. I see you speaking to marriages, rest. And I'm getting ready to build. I get back here a week later. Um, one of, one of my companies is a distribution business. My partner says, Hey, we're not renewing our contract with you, but we want to buy you out. We're buying all your assets, your employees, where you're at and the whole thing. Uh, we're just going to basically write you a big fat check and you hand over the keys. And I'm like, you know, you ask God for what I should be doing. And he divests you from a situation. I'm like, yes. Okay, that's your answer, not mine. Um, and, and, and I must also oh put in the caveat that, that you and your wife are obviously big, um, givers and um, God is all about um, us stewarding his his wealth in a in a good healthy way, right? And so um, that opens the door to blessings uh, as well. So it does. Well, again, it just you got to understand. It's this is the thing. I, I mean, again, you know, these are the things when God speaks to you. Yeah, it's it's important just to know. Like you know, again, Riley Riley spoke on this. You know, because we're sowers, we just don't. No farmer would be scattering seed everywhere but you scatter seed on the soil that's prescribed. And I think that's really important to be giving into what God says. Like, you know, God spoke to me recently for one of my employees, who's honestly not the best employee, not the best employee, but God told me, you know, I'll share it with you. He told me to go buy him a brand new car. And you get a car and you get a car. That was that Oprah uh, thing. (laughs) No, but it was just, it was literally the father's love for him. Um, And, and, and that's, you know, and it was like, okay, I'll go, go, you know, I'm thinking like, yeah, I'll go find a deal on the car. It's like, gotta be a new car. Can't be used. I'm like, oh, new cars are hard to find. So, you know, it's, it's always, you know, not holding the wheel too tightly and knowing this isn't our money, but sometimes what happens is, is when you look at the economies of scale. And again, I I will teach this a hundred times, you know, if you make $40,000 a year, you have no problem tithing, you know, $4,000. But when you make a million or 10 million a year, are you writing a million dollar tithe in tithe? Mm. Well, that's too much. Really? Mm. You know, it's like sometimes the natural gets confused with the supernatural and go, don't you realize that all of this was brought to you from God and that it's all his anyway. So you're being stingy means you're taking some false ownership of things. And, and the reality is, our heart ought to be to walk away from any of it. My wife knows that's my heart. I mean, God's given us a lot, but she knows if I have, if I'm 53 and I'm, I'm as you know clear with this as ever today as, as any day. I'm like, Trace, if God called us to be 
sell everything and give it away and let's go just live check to check in an apartment or something. I'm like, I'm okay with that. I am. So I'm not cool. praying for that. I don't wish that, right. but I'm totally okay with it. Well, I'm, I think I'm that's fine, that's you know? the power of the surrender, and that's the power of when you're walking in obedience and with faith yeah. um, and trusting uh, God for everything. So, because so many people are are trying to attain everything, but the fulfillment is always lacking. Just like you experienced uh, in your life early on, you had it and you were still not fulfilled. So, thanks for sharing your story. Who has been um, maybe your your biggest influencer in life, and why? Hey, that's a toughie. I mean, honestly, I I don't. I, it's, you know, being in the Christian media business, I don't read books very much. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> but do you listen to him? <laughs> no, not much. No. You know who I like? I like Ken Sandy, um, who's a writer on, um, on biblical conflict resolution. Cause I think yes. so much of success in life has to do with, um, communication and conflict resolution, no matter who you are, what your background is. Yeah. I don't have a lot of people. I mean, you know, it's, it's just those humble hearts who love you. I mean, when we came into the church after being separated, our first church home, there was a retired Coast Guard guy who just took me in, man, as a just somebody who was so lost. Yeah. And um, he just treated me like a son. Beautiful. You know, he would ask me, hey, want to come over and pull some weeds and mow, mow grass at the church? I was like, absolutely. I'll do anything. And uh, just that unconditional love and acceptance without, you know, again, he wasn't, well, no, it's just like, sometimes you get in the church and it's like, do this program, that program. And I'm like, those are all good things. You know, I'd like doing an evangelism explosion. I did that. And I'm just like, ah, this isn't Holy Spirit led. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I even knew what that was when I was doing it, but I was like, I don't feel right about arguing somebody into a corner and making them pray with me. Oh, that no. doesn't seem like anything biblical, <laughs> but loving people. And spending yeah. time yeah. And, and drinking coffee, you know, it's, mm. that's, a, that's a Jesus scene type mm. thing. You know, that's, that's I don't imagine. think Jesus would, be, he wouldn't be freaking out on people. You know, he would probably be hanging out with some people just talking and teaching and eating and, yes. and loving. Yes. Listen, that's and, such a good word for all of us. I mean, in this day I, and think, age. I think we're going to find our biggest influencers are the humble hearts around us who love us. And therefore we have an invitation to be the same for somebody else. And Absolutely. <clears throat> Jerry, uh, one last thing, uh, well, two last things. One is, love the fact that God is divesting you of everything <laughs> so that he can move you into that next stage of his plan, you and your wife. So we, I have a feeling we're going to have a podcast again sometime in the future as this thing begins to unfold for you. Uh, because it sounds like you're not exactly certain how that's all going to shape up. And our listeners are going to want to hear this. I'm going to want to know. And <laughs> yes. I do yeah. know that it'll be that combo platter again of faith plus obedience yes. so that God can accomplish what he wants to. Um, you think about that, and then on the next podcast, we're going to talk in details of how that's uh, how that's developed. But I just want to end with this, because you're a very unique character. I mean, you really are. I think you kind of know that, but you're very humble about that. And, uh, God and that's is, a compliment. By yeah, the way. Oh yeah, no, God, yeah. God, God is using you to uh, inspire and influence others. Yes. So, if there were a word or a phrase that could sum up the entirety of who you are, what would that be? I don't know. So I mean, I know what I, I strive to be. You know, I, I love I love you know sort of David's epitaph was you know he fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation and he fell asleep. Not a perfect guy. Um, I don't think striving for protection or, you know, what people think Christians should look like, you know, that we're perfect and we're, we're better than anyone. It's just like, no, we're, you know, like 
I forgot who said this, you know, where one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, mm. you know, and, and the reality is, is we have found like the ultimate life, you know, uh, and, and freedom, you know? And so, yeah, I, I just think that that's basically it. Uh, of all the things that I would say on my resume, which isn't very good, I would just hope that, you know, at the end, that's it. You know, I'm not trying to make a mark on the world. I would rather just bless people in the moment, you know, being in the now, now, now of life um, is, is, is really what it's about to me. Um, you know, again, 53, right. You know, uh, I'm a middle-aged if I live to be 106. <laughs> so right. I, I, right. I, exactly. I, I hope, I hope to slow down a little bit and, and not be so ambitious to be racing. You know, we, we have, a, we have a good story called the good Samaritan about people who have had to get somewhere. And then you have this one guy who has compassion, hope to be like that. Yeah. yeah. So good. Jerry, from what we know oh, of you, good. you are a lot like David, you are, you do um, are a man after God's own heart, and it shows in the way that you show up and, and work with others and talk with others and love others. And so we just thank you um, for, for sharing your story with our listeners and with us and for being a part of your biggest breakthrough podcast, because mm. you've had several breakthroughs and you are an inspiration, my friend. Mm, yeah. And so we thank you so much for your time and um, and all that God is is doing in your life, we can't see to, wait to see the next chapter. Yeah, so. and I think there is a word that could sum you up, and that is who you are and what you do is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. Jerry is ridiculous. As long as it's not incredible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, my friend, love you. All right, God Thanks bless. So Thank you so much for joining us. All right, take, take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was um, an awesome show with Jerry and um, so grateful, so grateful that he could spend time with us and um, just be a part of, of this podcast because he's got an incredible story. Well, you know, we all have an incredible story. Well, Wait a minute. Uh, nope. Nope. A it's ridiculous. ridiculous. See, I was going to see if you'd catch that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Good job. What, what we fail to realize is that our story is unique. Mm-hmm. Our story does have a, a lot of God revealing and manifesting who he is and what he's done. And opportunities and to reveal you, himself. Absolutely. And don't yeah. you don't you love it when you when you read the Psalms and it's constantly a look over someone's shoulder, mostly David's. And oftentimes when David starts to question himself or question things around him, mm-hmm. what does he do? He goes back to all of the recollections and remembrances yes. of all those experiences where God intervened and who he's shaped David to be. So that's my encouragement. It's to, my encouragement to us and yeah. to our listeners. Look, God has got a whole lot more that he's doing in your life than you're aware of. There's just two things you need to be faithful doing, and that is believe him, trust him, and obey him. Yes. And then you too will experience the miraculous in your life. So thanks so much for tuning into Your Biggest Breakthrough. Please feel free to share this episode or uh, the podcast with um, your loved ones, your friends, those on social media. But yeah. until next time, um, yeah, we'll, 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 I don't know, until next time. We're going to live the ridiculous. We'll live the ridiculous. <laughs> See you later. All right. God bless. So glad you could join us today, and you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. 
And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypet.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.